0: Local governments in South Florida are borrowing tens of millions of dollars to protect roads and property from the effects of climate change and extreme weather. Getting that money relies on a good economy
1: and good credit. What we focus on is the ability of the local government to repay its obligations in full and on time. I'm Tom Hudson.
0: Today on the Sunshine Economy, climate and credit. Also on the program today, another story of money and the price of life in South Florida.
2: Yeah, if I work harder, I'd like to earn more. Sure, there are things out there I would like to provide for my family. I would like to be able to, to sleep more at, at ease. You know, of course, wouldn't anybody.
0: It's all ahead on The Sunshine Economy. Welcome to The Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week. So this was a weird coincidence. The three sources we spoke to on the record for today's program all shared the same first name. Mike. Michael. Mike. They were all named Michael. Two of them went by Mike, but still, right? Three people who are among the experts in the bond market concentrating on climate risk and credit, all named Mike. Mike. There's this Mike with credit rating agency S&P Global Ratings.
3: Mike Ferguson
0: director in our sustainable finance practice. And there's
1: this Mike with a different credit rating agency. Mike Rinaldi, senior director and manager of Fitch's local government rating group for the East and Midwest region.
4: And then there's Michael. My name is Michael Wirtz. I'm a vice president, senior analyst at
0: Moody's Investor Service. So these three Mikes work in the same industry, but at different businesses. They may share first names and professions. They don't know each other, though. They assess the creditworthiness of local and state governments and companies. Just like when you apply for a loan and get a credit check, these mics do something similar but on cities, counties, states, and companies. And these mics pay close attention to the influence of climate risk and credit. Credit is important for companies and local governments, just like a consumer with good credit. When a city or county has good credit, they can borrow more money, more cheaply, to build facilities like ports and airports, repair infrastructure like sewers, and invest in stuff like transportation or affordable housing. These are all projects that can be paid for with borrowed money, and backing up the borrowed money are fees and taxes, and most importantly, the ability of local governments to charge future fees and taxes to pay back those loans. If those future fees and taxes are threatened by climate change, for instance, then it means more risk, and more risk means a higher cost to borrow the money. Just like for consumers, good credit means cheaper borrowing costs. For South Florida, good credit includes judging the threat of climate risk. That's what you'll hear today from the three mics who do this work for the three leading agencies that determine credit ratings for governments and companies. Now, later on in the program, Alvaro Martinez's story of money and the price of life in South Florida.
2: You You ask my parents, they'll tell you that even when I was young, I wanted to be a physician. All through high school, my friends will tell you that I always wanted to be a physician. As I rotated through different disciplines in med school, I began scratching them off my list. I don't like this, I don't like that. By my fourth year of med school, I was starting to hit a crisis that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Alvaro may have known he always
0: wanted to be a doctor, like his father, but he also knew he wanted to work in a different way. His story will be coming up later on in the program. If you want to share your story of how money, circumstances, and choices have influenced your life and decisions, email us at sunshine economy at WLRN news.org. That's sunshine economy at WLRN news.org. Local governments and companies borrow money for all sorts of reasons, and a credit rating agency has one main
1: purpose. What we focus on is the ability of the local government to repay its obligations in full and on time. That's Mike Rinaldi of Fitch Ratings,
0: one of the three major bond credit rating agencies. These companies assign a risk level to a government's or a company's ability to pay back lenders who can be big insurance companies, pension funds, and other investors. And the risk of climate change is playing an increasingly
1: visible role in assessing credit risk. There's undoubtedly uh, an increased focus on climate change and weather-related risk. Uh, many local government entities have appointed and created uh, chief resilience officers. Uh, Governments are investing in resilience training and infrastructure investment. There's no doubt uh, an increased uh, attention level to ESG and uh, risk associated with that and how governments operate on a day-to-day basis.
0: ESG is the credit ratings industry lingo for environmental, social, and governance risks. Stuff like sea level rise, hurricanes or flooding, social issues like labor relations and privacy, and governance, history of corruption or executive behavior. For governments borrowing money, the focus really is on the E, environmental risks.
3: I think the risk is certainly increasing.
0: This is Mike Ferguson. He is a director with S&P Global Rating's Sustainable Finance Practice.
3: I think people who are familiar with climate science are attuned to that fact, and certainly large corporations and municipalities and really all entities that we would rate are, are attuned to that as well. They're being becoming increasingly aware. Kind of a challenge that goes along along with that, however, is that when you look at climate risk, a lot of the, the risks that you're looking at, whether that's it's wildfires or it's floods or, or hurricanes, the challenge we have is that these are low probability, high impact events. And so embedding those in credit quality becomes an increasing challenge. Certainly we know that they can be impactful. The challenge we have, of course, is that credit ratings are meant to be forward-looking. And so uh, with with these major environmental calamities, The question abounds as to whether or not uh, they are fully captured uh, in our credit ratings.
0: The bond market for local governments and companies is well-developed. They've borrowed trillions of dollars, and default rates are very low, meaning investors can count on getting their money back. Over the past several years, environmental risk factors have become more prominent. What's the threat of sea level rise to local property taxes? How quickly can a community recover after a big storm? What's the impact on tourism from sunny-day flooding? All these are environmental factors that have the potential of significant economic consequences.
1: When it comes to the environment, you know there really is no boundary to its. Uh, I don't want to sound you know overdramatic here, but quite frankly, its wrath. This is Mike Rinaldi again with Fitch Ratings. The frequency and severity of storms is, uh, you know, weather-related events is is it's not subject to debate. Um, it impacts you know all realms of life and. You know, we have unfortunately seen, uh, you know, many local governments um, and, and its residents, its businesses, you know, have to, um, you know, suffer through the experience of being displaced from their homes, displaced from their jobs, uh, you know, and, and a whole lot worse than that. So I think it's just the reality that has forced folks to, you know, no longer, uh, if they were in the past, kind of burying their head in the sand, um, that's not going to address... Uh, what is evident, you know, which is a, a clear increased risk and exposure to these types of uh, dramatic events.
0: I think investors are driving
3: it to a large degree.
0: This is Mike Ferguson with S&P Global Ratings.
3: They understand ESG risk, especially environmental, is being material to their decision-making
0: process. That's important for local governments because if investors are not confident in an area's ability to deal with environmental risks... They will demand a higher reward. That would mean a higher interest rate, leading to more expensive borrowing for the local government, meaning higher costs to local taxpayers. But trying to figure out which environmental risks are the most important or the biggest threat and when, that's tough. Regency bias is the human tendency to emphasize our most recent experience. That may be Hurricane Irma, for instance. There's also the anchoring effect to anchor our expectations to one significant event, like, say, Hurricane Andrew. Back to our conversation with Mike Rinaldi of Fitch Ratings. How do you capture a more nuanced look at the climate risk faced by local governments and, and, uh, frankly, property owners and businesses and others, um, where it's not just emphasizing the most recent event?
1: Yeah, and Tom, that's a great question. It's a challenge. It's something that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, risk visibility, I would say, is is fairly high in the short term. I think we can accurately identify credits that may become vulnerable to rating migration uh, in a one-to-three-year window. Rating migration uh, rec-
0: means downgrades. So, uh,
1: m- meaning changes in, rate- in credit quality. Um, you know, evidenced in uh, either a, a you know upward or downward movement in a rating or a change in a rating outlook in the short term, I think, you know, we've got, you know, a wealth of very accurate um, and and robust information and data sets to, you know, make that judgment. Uh, But we recognize there's an increased uncertainty as the time horizon extends uh, associated with, you know, the accuracy and and also a lack of standardization of data. There is exposure to, you know, policy and regulatory shifts over time. um, And also the integration or overlay of new credit risk. You know, we don't know what other risk, you know, might present itself uh, five or or ten years down the road that, you know, aren't uh, currently on our radar and how they might interact Um, or or perhaps, uh, you know, compound uh, risk associated with uh, ESG factors.
3: Yeah, and if I can add on to that point just a little bit here.
0: This is Mike Ferguson again with S&P Global Ratings.
3: Certainly, we look at the raw exposures, right? The likelihood of sea levels rising, the likelihood of a hurricane happening or a wildfire occurring. We also consider is management's attempts to mitigate that risk right i think management teams because they have access to better information because they're more attuned to the risk because they're not really hiding from it anymore i think that there's increasing cognizance that something needs to be done Policymakers seem to be having an increasing ability and wherewithal, and in some cases funding, to actually try to mitigate those exposures, whether it's adaptive mechanisms, resilience measures, or or maybe it's just ways of finding greater financial flexibility. But certainly that's something we have to consider from a credit quality perspective, too, is that these things don't happen in a
0: vacuum. Uh, Management has an opportunity to respond. By management, he means corporate executives and elected officials. In South Florida, governments and in some cases taxpayers are responding. In 2017, just two months after Hurricane Irma's storm surge flooded areas of Miami, voters in the city okayed borrowing $400 million, with about half of the money going toward environmental resiliency efforts, stuff like storm drain upgrades and flood pumps. This spring, Hollywood voters okayed a package of new bonds, including $23 million, to build new seawalls. In both cases, the borrowed money will be paid back using property taxes, and the cities are counting on using their good credit standings to borrow the money at low interest rates. Still to come, asking those who pay back the loans if they want to borrow the money to better protect their towns.
1: What we're seeing is, you know, increased movement on the part of local governments to put Environmental options out in front of their voters to decide which path as a community you want to take.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Don't forget, you can always find a podcast of this program and our other programs by searching Sunshine Economy on iTunes. Be sure to leave a rating, please. That'll be helpful. Today, we're talking about the climate and credit. Local governments borrow money all the time and pay it back, usually through property taxes and other fees. Some are borrowing money for projects that adapt to the effects of climate change. But regardless of how the money is spent lenders increasingly want to know about how climate risk could affect them getting paid back. A little later in the program, Alvaro Martinez's story of money and the price of life in South Florida. He grew up as the son of a doctor and always knew he wanted to be one himself.
2: I will say very clearly that I never felt that my dad wasn't there. My father always came. He came home late. He worked hard. He was often gone in the morning. And I remember one summer when I didn't lay eyes on him for like three days because he was in the house so little, because he was working hard. Having said that, I do know that my schedule is a lot more family-friendly than my father's was. We'll
0: hear his story a little bit later on in the program. If you want to share your story of how money, circumstances, and choices have influenced your life and decisions, you can email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Send us a note on the email at sunshine Economy at wlrnnews.org. Local voters have shown an appetite to pay higher taxes to better protect parts of their cities from the effects of climate change and extreme weather. Miami Beach, Miami, and Hollywood voters have all okayed bond referenda in recent years with at least some of the borrowed money going toward environmental resiliency projects like stormwater pumps and seawalls.
1: What we're seeing is, you know, increased um, movement on the part of local governments to put environmental options out in front of their voters to decide which path as a community you want to take. That's Mike Rinaldi. He's one of the
0: people who help decide how risky those bonds are that are used for stormwater pumps and seawalls. He's senior director at Fitch Ratings, a credit rating agency. They look through a local government's finances, look at the local and regional economies, and they try to assess how likely it is that a local government will be able to pay back its loans in full and on time. The work plays a key role in the financial markets when governments or companies look to borrow money. A good credit report can mean
1: a lower interest rate, meaning cheaper borrowing costs. Counties throughout the state of Florida have placed on ballots referendums for additional sales tax revenue for transportation-related projects. Projects that will uh, alleviate congestion and carbon emissions, Um, they've been successful. Not all of them, granted. Uh, but many have. So uh, I think, you know, what we're seeing is, uh, and and no pun intended, but a little bit of a sea change in terms of, um, you know, the recognition of environmental risk and putting your head in the sand is just not going to, you know, work going forward. So So. what is that risk to local governments,
0: uh, the revenue that local governments rely on to pay back those lenders? What's the risk to that revenue from climate risk?
1: Well, there's a couple of things I would say. Inaction, uh, in and of itself, is a risk in in several ways. Um, you know, it could potentially deter investment uh, in your community from the private sector, as you know, companies begin to think about making investments that you know go beyond the five or ten year period. But, you know, potentially decades from today, um, there they will, I imagine, want to take interest in you know, what exactly this municipality is doing to protect their investment and their assets. I think there's also workforce ramifications. Uh, you know, there's a, a relatively young uh, demographic, uh, the millennials that, you know, will opt to live in municipalities that have been better engaged in the environment. is very important to that particular demographic, and it's in turn very important to local governments. They spend a lot of time speaking with us. In the course of rating work, you know, how they aim to, um, you know, increase their attractiveness to young families, to young professionals, um, to, you know, as an essence, uh, you know, stabilize their tax base, to Mm -hmm. grow tax base values, to uh, grow revenues that are, you know, depended upon by the local government to support. Uh, their operations and also repayment of their debts.
0: The point about the millennials is a really important one. This is Mike Ferguson. He's the director of sustainable finance at the credit rating agency S&P Global Ratings.
3: We're undergoing the largest wealth transfer, intergenerational wealth transfer in history, and a lot of that money is moving down to millennials. When millennials are making Buying decisions, both as consumers, but probably more importantly as investors, they are considering ESG factors much more acutely, I think partially for conscientious reasons, but partially also because they understand them as being, especially over the longer term, more and more material to the uh, the, f- the financial well-being of companies. So I, I do think that aside from the fact that there's just a higher level of engagement needed to, to satisfy millennials, they are making decisions on that basis. Their, their wallets are
0: talking in, in a way, and I think that that's an important thing to consider. It's interesting how both of you point to demographics as potentially a risk. Uh, uh for local governments in terms of climate risk, even though local governments may be thinking about it slightly differently as, as you're discussing in terms of attracting a younger workforce, attracting you know young families and, and investing in education and investing in transportation, investing in housing affordability, all three things which are challenges here in South Florida, but also doing it with a framing around uh, adapting to or mitigating uh, the risk of climate change to the uh, local geography here in South Florida.
3: Yeah. I, I, so you characterize it as a risk. I, I, it probably is that, and definitely as credit ratings analysts, we think about risk a lot. I would say there's also a tremendous opportunity here as well. The flip well. side of risk,
0: right, opportunity. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, sure.
3: it is opportunity. Yeah, it is. And I think that one of the things we see is that there's an ability for positive differentiation among entities that are more attuned to these risks, in part because, uh, you know, in this case we're talking about millennials, but investors in general are looking for good long-term buys. If you believe that climate risk is going to get more and more heightened over the longer term, if you're someone who's buying a house and planning on being there for 15 years or someone who's making an investment like a pension fund and planning on holding it for a long time, you want to be sure that the company's not just or entity, if it's a state gov- mm-hmm. or local government, isn't just going to be successful in the near term. It's going to be successful in the long term, too. You're making a long term investment. And, you know, in our opinion and in the opinion of scientists, the, the risks of climate are, are going to heighten over time, especially if they're not adequately mitigated by changes in policy.
0: And, and for those companies and, and government agencies that are uh, uh, assessing the climate risk and taking action, uh, Mike Rinaldi, they're finding lenders out in the marketplace. Uh, they're finding lenders that are willing to take that risk in order to raise the capital, to build the seawalls or raise the roads or put in storm pumps?
1: They are. um, You know, I would say that the U.S. municipal market is a particularly, you know, high level of credit quality. So, you know, you're talking about entities, local governments, you know, of high credit quality and also with very stable revenue sources available to repay debt. So there's a lot of reason to be bullish about local government credit quality. You know the majority of local government uh you know operations and and debt expenses are you know repaid from revenues derived from uh, property taxes mm-hmm. um, and property taxes tend to be uh you know fairly resilient to temporary disruptions, even weeks or months long associated with Uh, a dramatic, unpredictable uh, type of weather event.
0: Yeah, we've seen that Uh, with Hurricane Andrew locally. We've seen it with uh, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Sure. Given a a long enough horizon out there, those values uh, recover, and, of course, the tax base then recovers and uh, moves forward
1: not only do they recover, but they're not susceptible to sort of immediate drop-off in value. Property taxes, you know, they're a lagging indicator. The revenues that a government receives from property taxes this year is typically based off of a valuation or an assessment on the property that was conducted, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 months ago. So, it you know, there are certain revenues uh, that are you know susceptible to an immediate shift certainly a sales tax revenue stream which is important for many local governments comes to mind you can see a response to sales tax collections immediately uh, in the aftermath of a storm but what tends to happen then you know several weeks later uh, once you know the the full resources of our government have you know now shifting their attention from debris removal to rebuilding is that you get a little bit of a boost you know to the economy people are out they're replacing, uh, you know, lost personal items. They're, you know, making large, you know, scale purchases of building material and construction material and so forth to support uh, the the reconstruction efforts. So local government revenue streams have, uh, you know, tend to be very resilient to uh, those types of risk.
0: That's Mike Rinaldi with Fitch Ratings and Mike Ferguson with S&P Global Ratings, two of the top credit rating agencies. Now, still to come, stripping away the politics and just looking at the money.
3: Unfortunately, I think the climate risk has become very heavily politicized, probably more so than it needs to be and definitely more so than it's actually productive.
0: This is the Sunshine Economy Climate and Credit. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening to WLRN and supporting public radio. You can follow along on social media. Look for our handle on Twitter, at WLRN. We're talking today about how leading credit rating agencies think about climate risk, especially for local governments and their ability to borrow money cheaply. Later on in this program today, we'll have another story of money and the price
2: of life in South Florida. I'm... Consider myself blessed. I really, really do. I have a good home uh, where my family doesn't go hungry. My family really wants for nothing. Um, my wife and I both work, uh, which is a reality in today's day and age. Hear how Alvaro Martinez does it a
0: little bit later on in this program. If you'd like to share your story of how money, circumstances, and choices have influenced you, your life, and decisions, Email us, sunshine Economy at wlrnnews.org. Your story of money and the price of life in South Florida. Email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Local governments and companies borrow money for all sorts of reasons, and a credit rating agency has one main purpose, not to pass assessment on how the money is spent, but rather to determine how likely it is for the borrower to pay the money back in full and on time. Four of the top five most expensive natural disasters in the United States have happened in the past decade. Three of the top six left damage here in Florida, Hurricanes Katrina, Irma, and Andrew. Hurricanes are expected to become wetter and stronger due to climate change. Extreme weather is just one of the risks affecting the creditworthiness of local government bonds. In 2017, Fitch Ratings upgraded Miami-Dade County government bonds backed by tolls from the Rickenbacker Causeway. Fitch said it was because the amount of traffic using the Rickenbacker was stable and the county had the ability to raise tolls if it wanted. The county borrowed about $30 million a few years earlier to pay for repairs on the causeway. In August of this year, Fitch revisited its credit rating on those Rickenbacker bonds. It still had a positive view of the borrowing, but added a risk factor, environmental risks. Specifically, the bond rating mentioned the causeway's, quote, heightened exposure to extreme weather events in relation to rising sea levels, end quote. The mention of climate risk was unmistakable, even though the bond rating didn't change. The outlook was called stable, and the rating, like all other government credit ratings, didn't pass judgment on what could be done to help make the causeway more resilient to the climate risks it faces. Here's Mike
1: Rinaldi, Senior Director at Fitch Ratings. What we focus on is the ability of the local government to repay its obligations in full and on time. Um, So, you know, when we evaluate a capital program, we're specifically focusing on the affordability of the program over time, uh, based on the current and expected trajectory of an entity's economic resource base, right? So, you know, that is really what's driving our analysis of the affordability of an entity's long-term debt. We're not so much taking a deep dive into, you know, policy decisions. You know, that's not the role of the credit rating analyst. We're not uh, interested in guiding decision makers down a path of sort of green investment or gray investment or any other color on the spectrum. Mike Ferguson at credit rating agency
0: S&P Global Ratings agrees he describes his role as one to look at climate risk among all the issues that can influence creditworthiness.
3: Unfortunately, I think the climate risk has become very heavily politicized, probably more so than it needs to be and definitely more so than, than is actually productive.
0: When it comes to extreme weather events like hurricanes, it's the federal government that traditionally has picked up the big costs. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has spent more than $5 billion on Hurricane Irma in Florida alone. About thirty cents of every dollar has gone to reimburse local governments to clean up debris and rebuild infrastructure. Now, Mike Rinaldi with Fitch ratings does not think the federal
1: government checkbook will always be open for future disasters. There's significant risk, I believe, in uh, you know the federal government you know one day saying, you know we're not going to you know play this you know sort of this this role any longer. Um, because that would create a significant burden on local governments, uh, public and private, you know, property owners, uh, which you know will have um, potentially, you know, negative impacts on credit quality for you know local and state governments.
0: And that would be a big change from years past. Still to come, planning for and having the good credit to pay for climate resilient projects.
4: There is an expectation, particularly if you are a place uh, with an identified exposure to climate risk that the city is thinking about that vulnerability and actively trying to come up with ways to plan and address that that risk
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. You can always find us on your smart speaker by telling it to play WLRN. Find our app as well in your local app stores and listen online at WLRN.org. Today we're talking about climate risk and credit risk. Increasingly, investors in the bonds of local governments and companies want to know more about the risks that those cities and counties and companies face from climate change and how those risks could affect the government's or company's ability to repay those debts. Coming up a little bit later, you'll hear Alvaro Martinez's story of money and the price of life in South Florida. He's a successful doctor, his wife works, and he's grateful
2: for his financial stability. I am where I am because I work hard. I am where I am because I've had uh, the benefits of parents who have provided for me when they needed to. Uh, I am where I am because I had parents that instilled in me a responsibility. You can hear how Alvaro Martinez does
0: it a little bit later on in the program. If you'd like to share your story of money and the price of life in South Florida, send us an email, sunshine Economy at wlrnnews.org. It's sunshineeconomy, that's one word, at wlrnnews.org. You could also find us on Twitter or Facebook if you like. Most big cities in the United States have a plan to deal with climate risk. That's according to a survey by credit rating agency Moody's Investor Service of the 50 largest cities it follows. Several cities in South Florida have tapped the municipal bond market to borrow tens of millions of dollars to pay for adaptation efforts addressing the effects of climate change. Things like building seawalls and installing pumps to fight rising seas. Michael Wirtz is a senior analyst of Infrastructure Finance at Moody's Investors Service.
4: Investors and issuers and sort of just market participants are all very interested in the topic of climate and climate resilience among state and local governments at a level that seems to just be growing by the day. Uh, Everyone is, of course, I think, aware of and sensitive of how a city can be impacted by climate immediate climate shock events in the form of, say, storm surge flooding or, or a hurricane or a wildfire. And that, of course, has led to uh, increasing interest on how cities are going to be able to manage this type of risk over the long term, particularly as there is the expectation that these types of calamities are going to increase in frequency and severity. So we see a great deal of interest in how we analyze those risks and incorporate them into our credit ratings.
0: And some great deal of interest on the part of at least some South Florida local governments in being able to utilize the public bond market to raise funds for projects such as raising streets or stormwater sewers to reduce flooding or even building seawalls. Is the municipal market prepared for potentially the kind of future borrowing that may be necessary for some of these local governments to really address the problem in a more comprehensive way?
4: Yeah, I think so. And I think that there's a great deal of appetite to see state and local governments uh, begin to address their vulnerabilities in a comprehensive fashion that uh, that includes uh, changes to or updates to their capital plans and financing projects that are going to help them offset the risk of of climate events. Climate preparedness and the cost attendant to that are still only one of several factors that we take into consideration when we're doing our rating analysis and the extent to which uh, your climate preparedness efforts compromise other elements of your credit profile, it, it can still have... Uh, Uh, you know, a negative effect on your overall credit position if, for example, uh, the cost of building your seawall or some other type of uh, climate mitigation improvement is going to serve the effect of draining all of your cash or quadrupling your debt load or or something like that. So there's a balance to be struck, but a great deal of interest uh, from investors and, and an increasing level of focus being paid by rating agencies on how that balance is going to be handled. That balance is really
0: important, Michael, right? Because the cities, local governments, uh, certainly in South Florida that are generally uh, funded by property taxes, are interested in protecting the value of that property, especially those properties that are most vulnerable to climate risks, be that either sunny day flooding or extreme storm events, Uh, but at the same time, having to go out to the investment markets and kind of leverage the value of that property to generate the funds to try to protect that property,
4: right? Sure. I mean, we saw that with uh, the city of Miami, for example. Uh, they issued, I think it was a $400 million Miami Forever bond to address uh, flooding issues. And certainly that's a positive thing, as we all know, Miami's exposure to hurricanes and, and, and floods because it's a big city with a gigantic tax base, a pretty strong financial profile, we expect those, that increase in those burdens to still remain manageable. So there's a positive effect to be had from um, you know, implementing these projects and offsetting their, their flood risk while doing so in a way that's still uh, tolerable for the city's overall balance sheet and, and debt position.
0: How much is climate risk a credit risk for local governments?
4: Well, in the broad sense, we see climate risk uh, escalating as a credit risk, particularly as the harms of climate change in the forms of wildfires and floods and hurricanes, et cetera, are projected to increase in severity and intensity. Um, However, when we're looking at this on an issuer-by-issuer basis, there are some places that have A high degree of exposure to, say, uh, hurricanes or sea level rise, but also have uh, strengths that provide some level of mitigation against those vulnerabilities. Uh, Miami and other cities in South Florida are a good example of that, where there's an obvious risk uh, from hurricanes and and, and other sort of, you know, climate-driven calamities, but uh, there's some offsetting strengths, like the size of the local tax base and economy, uh, the, the the size and conditions of their balance sheets, as well as uh, the benefit to be had from the state's hurricane catastrophe fund and and uh, and uh, citizens' property insurance corporations, things like that. So, in that particular example, we see that while there's a high level of exposure, there's some offsetting strengths that make that uh, exposure. Uh, not entirely detrimental to their to their credit. You can imagine, though, a scenario where you might have a city that is uh, smaller, with less financial wherewithal and equal amount of exposure that they're unable to mitigate at the same level as a place like, say, Miami or Broward County. And then as a result, that would be uh, a more pressing uh, credit consideration.
0: Is the market nuanced enough uh, or interested enough to differentiate between extreme weather event risks and stronger storms, wetter storms, for instance, as the result of climate change, and more generally, uh, kind of climate trends and the longer-term shift in the climate, warmer seas, rising seas, saltwater intrusion, and, and those kinds of risks.
4: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. I I think so. It's a sophisticated market who's sophistication in this particular area is growing, uh, it would seem almost by the day. And one of the things that we've uh, tried to make distinct is a recognition of the difference between a climate shock event uh, that might occur uh, sort of suddenly, like like a hurricane or wildfire, versus the longer term changes in climate trends that make those symptoms like hurricanes and wildfires more persistent and more steady and more of a regular uh, problem that has to be dealt with um, by a local municipality. I, I think the market, you know, understands that difference and and is growing in appreciation uh, constantly of the distinction to be made there.
0: Michael, as you look across the municipalities and the agencies that you and your team look at, how would you describe kind of where some of the best practices are as it relates specifically to responding to the risk of climate for government credit, for local government's ability to borrow uh, and borrow cheaply?
4: The places that are best prepared to handle climate change are those that, one, identify their level of exposure, two, Uh, come up with comprehensive plans to address that risk, plans that incorporate uh, sources of financing for specific projects that will enable them to uh, uh, contend with that exposure over both the short and long term, Um, and places that have sort of the uh, general credit quality that will make implementation of that plan not be a burdensome thing on their overall credit profile. So you can think of that generally uh, as characterized as you know, cities with uh, large and diverse economies that can withstand uh, the effects of a climate event without it completely compromising the the revenue base of the city. You can think of it as cities that have uh, robust uh financial operating positions, inclusive of strong levels of cash and reserves that will enable them to respond uh, both to sort of the short-term effects and costs related to uh, a climate event, as well as the longer-term implementation of whatever action steps they're taking to to reduce their exposure. And cities with uh, low-debt positions where they can incorporate the long-term financing's Um, necessary to increase their resilience against climate without it becoming a burden on their overall credit position. One thing to be mindful of from an issuer perspective is that the market's recognition and expectations around this vulnerability aren't going away. And I think we've moved to a point now where whether you're talking to an investor or a ratings analyst, there is an expectation, particularly if you are a place uh, with an identified exposure to climate risk, there is an expectation that the city is thinking about uh, that vulnerability and actively uh, trying to come up with ways to plan and address that, that risk.
0: That was Michael Wirtz with credit rating agency Moody's Investors Service. Still to come, a personal story of money and the price of life in South Florida.
2: Yeah, if I work harder, I'd like to earn more. Sure, there are things out there I would like to provide for my family. I would like to be able to to sleep more at, at ease. You know, of course, wouldn't anybody? Anybody would. That's next.